Welcome to the Rundown Podcast, where each week we'll share our thoughts on investing, markets, and your money. Jared Burns and Robert Dolan are advisors with Dolan and Barkham Wealth Advisors in Plattsburgh, New York. Dolan and Barkham is not affiliated with the Investment Center or IC Advisory Services, Inc. The opinions expressed by Jared, Bob, or any podcast guests do not necessarily represent the views of the Investment Center or any other members of their staff. This podcast contains information for general use and is not intended to cover all aspects of a particular matter. Hey, Bob. Hello, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back at it again for our, our latest podcast. There's, um, well, let's just put it this way, the market and politics and everything has given us more than enough things to talk about. Yeah, we'll try to keep it concise. But yeah, there's so many things to talk about with the election and COVID and it goes on and on. We could ramble for well, we yeah, easily we could we ramble do. for hours, but we'll we'll try to try to keep it as as specific as possible, right? Um, the biggest thing that wouldn't you say is probably the m- most present on people's minds is the presidential election. Yeah, we've had more calls on that in the last month, and especially after the debate, people were quite concerned about where this was going, right? And if everyone has listened to or, or read the rundown that you've put out, you've put some scenarios together, which I thought was uh, very astute. And I, maybe we could go over those real quick. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. The biggest, I mean, we've done the research, obviously, but I think it every four years it's worth reiterating because it's so hard to separate, you know, oh, here's all the policies and the different things that that could happen after the president. And, and we've pretty much come to terms with the fact that, um, we'll get into the election, but come to terms of the fact that presidential policy really doesn't drive market performance. And that's kind of the thing that we just try to just keep. Yeah, long term, it really doesn't. It might have a short term impact, like after the hanging chads in 2000, that lasted for four or five weeks yeah. until there was a decision and the market was in turmoil during that period of time. But after that, it kind of did whatever it's going to do. Monetary policy uh, really kind of determines what's going on. And that's. And the Fed is on our side right now, so we, we should feel relatively comfortable with them having our backs. Right. We should be able to really kind of take away the fears that the, the market's going to be really disrupted by, by what happens with the presidential election. I guess long, like who, not only who gets elected, the thing that's probably more on people's minds is the short term of, well, how, I right. guess, how do, they, how do they get elected or, or how quickly do they get elected? Yeah, how quickly they declare a winner. And uh, and that could take a day or two. You know, yeah, it it could, I mean, it could take, I mean, if it depends on if, if 2000 is our guiding light, then it could take a few weeks. And yep. so, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we both think that it's pretty much just a, a buying opportunity because you look yeah. back on things that happened in politics and... More often than not, it tends to be a pullback in the markets. But within time, I think what did I, what did I tell you the other day? It's the the Kennedy assassination, which it's a yeah. it's a pretty huge impact in in American politics. Um, the Kennedy assassination, the market was up twenty percent the following year. Yeah, initially it was down three percent. So if you look at it from that standpoint, yes, if you get a three, five, even a ten percent pullback, uh, we would recommend moving more money in. I mean, as most of you know, we have a lot of 
not a lot of cash, but either 10 to 20% cash right. right now. We would probably want to get some of that invested for a lot of different reasons, which we're going to get into, um, you know, talking about inflation and other things. But uh, you, you don't want to leave a lot of cash on the sidelines right now. That's purely, purely a defensive temporary mechanism that we would like to take advantage get, of. Yeah, get it back to work. I mean, if we Absolutely. get a pullback because there's no no one's elected. We know that a president will get elected. So right. if the market decides to act irrationally and pull back, it's probably just going to be a really good opportunity for I us. I think it would be a great idea to do that. Yep. Right. So, I, I mean, I think we've probably talked about it until we're blue in the face and people are probably sick of us talking about the election, <laughs> that we think it's it's really just an opportunity and, and something yep. that we shouldn't let guide our investment decisions. Correct. Long term, especially, you know, if you're if you have some issue for a month or two, then fine. But, you know, most of our clients are long term investors. They're maybe taking distributions right now. And you just have to use this as an opportunity. This is just uh, it'll be a great great time to put some more money to work right well because we saw that what was it the forbes article that we looked up where they they went back and looked at the different people and the different houses that were in power the different political parties that were in power yeah. and there was only a couple of presidents that were actually um negative during their terms over the since since, since world war ii yeah since uh i think they went back to uh, truman wasn't it or yeah i think it, so yeah truman all the way through and there were only two presidencies that were actually negative um and you know they they ended on a bad note or they or they started on a bad note like Bush. Well, yeah, think, of, think about we talked about think about those bookends yeah, for yeah. Bush. I mean, and that was all that w that had nothing to do with the market, right? Or had nothing to do, and it really didn't have anything to do with politics either. Mm -hmm. It had entirely to do with the environment that he found himself in. Um, I mean, the devastation of obviously um, September eleventh, but yep. also leading up to that. You had the dot com bubble bursting at the same time, right. um, you know, in advance of that. So it was already a rocky environment to right. begin with. Right. He walked into a kind of a, a, a snake bit kind of a scenario, but and then he ended, you know, of course with 08, which you yeah. know that was that was twenty five years in the making too in the in the mortgage yeah, industry with, so. with the deregulations and yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I guess to to kind of put a bow on it, we pretty much say we come to terms with the fact that presidents really don't drive markets either right. one way or the other. And it's really more important to think about other things like economic factors that are going to really Im influence how your portfolio is going to perform. Yep. And with, again, we talked about just a second ago with the fed kind of at our back, stimulating the economy, saying they're going to keep interest rates low, very low historically. I don't think they've ever been this low before, um, which leads us to our inflation topic which, which we is gonna... the kind of the second fear right is that all this money that's being pumped in the system is going to lead to just an, an incredible amount of inflation hyperinflation potentially yep. and i'm doing some research well we we've already referenced this you know after 08 they did something similar granted they didn't put six trillion dollars into the system like they did right now um but they did pump the system for a, full of a lot of money back they after did. 08. And it's really, it, in some ways, it's the same scenario. But in 08, they pumped in money. Everyone thought we were going to get inflation. Uh, they were pretty much guaranteeing we were going to get inflation of 4 it or 5%. Almost percent. rampant inflation, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, that. But the, the thing is, you know, the economy was very slow, kind of a workhorse or, or a plow horse uh, mentality. And um, 
We had technology advances. We had no wage inflation. Oil prices stayed relatively low, at least for the most most of that 10 years. Well, and the other uh, thing that, that we just read that I didn't even realize and we can kind of get to, and just to touch on that really quickly too, the technology piece. Mm-hmm. Technology, if, if people don't realize, that's it has a lot of deflationary pressure. I keep, how many yep. times have I referenced the price of a TV back right. in 99 versus the price of a TV now? Um, I mean, that's come down 20 fold probably since mm-hmm. then. Uh, but technology can really reduce prices. Yep. Uh, but the one thing that. And the we'll move go- away from fossil fuels now too, that, uh, you know, that's going to keep oil's a huge part of the inflation picture. So mm-hmm. with that under control, you know, but, uh, but there are reasons to think we could have, a different scenario than 08 with all this extra money being pumped in and interest rates so, so low right now. Right. Well, Jeremy Siegel, who's the that the professor at, at was he's at Wharton, Wharton School Wharton. of Business, I think? Yep. Yeah, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll read you what he said, which was interesting. Um, back in 2000, so 2010, after 08, he was invited to, to write part of an open letter to Bernanke, who was the, the Fed chair at the time, basically saying, we're going to get hyperinflation. So exactly the things that you were referencing. Everybody's worried about inflation. He said, no, I don't think we're going to get that much inflation um, because his thoughts were, well, it wasn't really that that money was getting in people's hands, is that it was really just going to true up the banks because all the banks didn't have the reserves, the cash right. reserves to protect the system from a run on the banks, essentially. And so he said that really didn't end up in people's hands. But now his argument is the money is in people's hands, right? It is in people's hands. And people, you know, the the statistics tell us that people are saving that money. They're paying down debt. But at some point, that demand is going to kick back in and they'll be spending Mm -hmm. some of that money. So you definitely, I think, could see some some inflation kick up. Right. So, well, and that's, his thought was what, three to four percent inflation? Three, yeah, I think three to five. That's three to five percent yeah, inflation, yeah. which that's a pretty big tick up from, I, I printed out earlier, I printed out the chart of where we're at in inflation. I think we're we're somewhere around like 1.6 percent. Yeah. It's and been a, steadily climbing up. Yeah, from, historically, from I think if you go back 40, 50 years, it's like 2.3 percent is the historic. So with all this money, flooding the economy right now, we could easily get some um, some inflationary pressures. And and back when uh, Paul Volcker was the Federal uh, Reserve Chairman, if you remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, we had... Well, I don't remember that. I read <laughs> yeah. books about it. I'm showing my age. <laughs> yeah. But we had uh, 12, 13% inflation. And how do you combat inflation? You raise interest rates. Right. Um, and that's what Paul Volcker did aggressively um, from about 82 to 87. And, uh, and the markets reacted favorably to that. But if you had bonds at that point, um, you got hammered. You got hammered. And so, that's kind of what we're alluding to right now is right. if we get in a situation where bonds our bonds will suffer if the Fed decides to start raising interest rates. Right. But like you said before, the Fed came out months ago saying we're not raising rates. Our sole goal right now is we want more inflation because right. we think if we can get more inflation, will likely help to get the unemployment right. level lower. Yeah, 2% is usually the Fed's uh, range. They like about a 2%, but they said they let it go to 3 mm-hmm. And if they let it go that high, and they've said they're going to do that, then 
you might want to take them at their word. That, right. Uh, so they're going to let um, rates stay low for long periods of time, let inflation run before they start raising interest rates. But if then, if it does get a little out of control, it gets somewhere at four or five, you're going to see an aggressive change of policy by the Federal Reserve. And then we have to be very concerned about our bond positions. That's the trick, right? Is yep. if, if they're okay with 3%, then we should be foreseeably in a decent environment for yep. bonds for the next couple of years. But if it runs right. hot and the economy yep. recovers a lot faster. Yep. So it's, you know, bonds, um, you know, right now, you know, in a very conservative, you know, bond fund or individual bond, you're going to get, you know, 3%, maybe two and a half to 3% in a very conservative bond, which is way better than cash, which is at 0.1 or whatever it is right now. Oh, it's now. garbage. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the real rate of return, I mean, you, okay, I mean, let's say 3%, you're getting 3% on your money. Inflation's running at 3%. Then after taxes, you know, you're going to lose a little bit more. You're running at a negative real rate of return. So over the last 10 years, you've made 3 to 5% as a real rate of return in bonds. But now after you factor in everything else, you'll be negative. So we have to be able to protect your money and it's forcing us a little bit more into growth. Right. Or it stock. A, and it forces us to, to really change how we address the bond piece too. Because you want, at the end of the day, if you have bonds in your portfolio, it's for protection, right? right. We're, we're right. looking to protect. So it forces us to say, okay, we're going to have to sacrifice some of that interest to buy quality so we still get the protection aspect of bonds mm -hmm. but if our if our real rate of return is going to be negative then how do we still get bond like protection but get you positive rates of return so that's when we're reaching to things like the high yield market right because right, you've got a little bit more uh, at least a little more potential there you might be getting six percent on right. a high yield bond so after inflation you're at three after taxes but you're still potentially positive. Mm -hmm. um, and if the economy gets better, we feel high yield bonds or junk bonds, as they're called, could improve. They might go from a double B to a triple B or something. So if they're yeah, rating so up the credit quality, up the credit quality. So they may go up their credit quality just with an economic um, advancement. Right. Um, but it's yeah. But there are other things we can do to protect ourselves against inflation. And that's well. the big trick, right? Is if we get inflation, if we get inflation, but the but the Fed doesn't raise interest rates, then that's still an okay environment. Granted, inflation is going to impact your purchasing power. So bond prices, real returns, that's something that people don't see is they don't see the real returns. They just see the returns that they get on their bonds. Correct. But behind the scenes, inflation is eating away at that. If they don't raise interest rates, then that's okay for your portfolio because stocks in theory would run hot in an environment like that with inflation going higher with no rate hikes. Right. But if they do start to raise interest rates earlier, that picture that you painted with the real, maybe a negative real return on bonds, that rapidly declines because people are going to now start selling bonds as interest rates go up. Correct. So, yeah, it's a kind of a double whammy. You're losing value and then you have a flood of sales as well, which just lowers the prices even more. So what we wanted to bring this around to a little bit is, is gold. Right. You know, that, uh, you know gold is usually the, most, the perfect inflation hedge, and it's, uh, 
it's a non-correlating asset, as we say, uh, with the stock market. Meaning so. if stocks can kind of do whatever and gold just behaves totally separate of that. They could both be up on one day and vice versa yep. or, or what have you. And a lot of times in crises, when crises happen, gold will go up mm-hmm. because people flood to that. So um, gold has had a very good year this year. I think it's, what is it, up 20%, 30% this year? Yeah, it's up over 20%. And it's it's recently come back, which kind of makes it enticing as an entry point mm-hmm. um, that you've had a little bit of a pullback. Um, because you'll also you also saw when the first stimulus was issued, gold had a huge pop because that was just the market factoring in. Okay, if we flood the system with money, now we're worried about inflation again, right? right. So gold is that inflation hedge. So, but that's kind of the trick because the one thing that you you talk to me about all the time, and I've adopted is is the the three legged stool right. of investing in theory. Maybe there's four legs and. Alternatives yeah. are are alternatives the, would be the fourth, that fourth yeah. leg, like yeah. like things like gold. Yep. But really, you're, right now, and this is what you always say is, well, cash is really purely just there. Um, it's not earning you anything. It's just, just protection. Just a parking place. It's yep. a par- exactly. So you don't want to have too much there. Um, bonds are okay. So yep. that leg still works for us. Stocks obviously is still in a good environment. And then gold kind of maybe inserts itself as the fourth leg to that stool when it's warranted. Yeah, gold is is a good alternative. We used to say real estate is a non-correlating uh, asset as well. However, in this environment with you know less office space, less retail, uh, we're kind of staying away from that side, except in very small small amounts. Right. I mean, it's because it, the majority of, of a lot of the investments that you'll see on the real estate side is, is more commercial real estate. And commercial is, is the area that's struggling quite a bit more. Obviously, yep. residential is Booming. doing phenomenally <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but that that falls into some of our bond positions that they get into some of those, you know, mortgage backed securities to, right. to take advantage of that. But um so, uh, yeah, so I guess what we're saying is we really, we're going to keep an eye on this. Bonds could be a problem a couple of years down the road. We think we're okay for 18 to 24 months, but we may want to hedge ourselves a little bit with some, some gold potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, do you, I guess the, the big thing, and I think it's a headline too, is there, that's Jeremy Siegel basically said, is the 60 40 portfolio dead? Right. And I think in theory, maybe. Um, but I did see some research that said once you kind of got to your allocation, whether it's 60-40, 70-30, 50-50, those all kind of over time, they revert to some sort of mean. It's just over the short term, what can you handle for, in terms of risk? So obviously, the less risk you can handle, the more bonds you're going to want. But those things kind of navig- or migrate to the same somewhat similar returns over time. It's more what's your what's your appetite for short term risk? Yeah, and, and I think short term we're fine with the sixty forty. Yeah, and the forty could be you know half of that could be cash. Um, right. So uh, so the forty is probably fine. But I, I do think we're just giving a little bit of a heads up that down the road, um, if we do get hot inflation, um, then they're going to have to raise interest rates, and that we're starting at a much lower level we're not just starting on the first floor like we did in 08 we're in the basement so any kind of an interest rate hike uh we're going to see bonds um take it on the chin yeah they're going to sell off quite a bit and you don't you no longer i guess that's one thing we didn't mention is after 08 corporate bonds and these different bond instruments had still relatively high interest rates now they're so low that you're starting at the bottom 
So if it sells off, you don't have that interest to protect you right. anymore. Correct. So it's a different environment. Absolutely. So, so. Now I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm a huge, <laughs> huge proponent of get rid of all your bonds because yeah. that's not what we're, that's definitely not the point that we're trying to get across. Right. I think. I mean, I think we've got. If you take the Fed for their word and things progress the way they're saying they they're seeing. There's still a good two years probably where you could hold yeah. a normal bond mix. Yep, I think so. And I think if we've had a if we get a pretty good pop on interest rates, uh, for whatever reason it might be, it could be a time to take a little money off the table in the bond market. I mm-hmm. mean, they've had a pretty good year this year because again, volatility in the stock market usually leads to people uh, going into cash and bonds. Um, so those have done well. Things that usually are up. Two or three percent have been up seven or eight percent this year. So, right. um, and I don't think you're going to see that again. So, you know, it could be time just to keep an eye on the bonds. We're really not raising the flag yet that mm-hmm. we're nervous about it, but we definitely um, want to be cognizant of the fact that inflation in two or three years could be an issue. Yeah, and if it runs hot earlier, then we'll have to we'll just have to adjust to that. But the likelihood of of uh, the economy running that hot. Yeah. that we're not going to see this happening or at least see it coming is is quite a bit lower. Right, yeah. The, the unemployment rate's going to stay stubbornly high for several years, I'm sure. Well, they're uh, saying to get back to where we're at right now, at least 2023, if not 2024. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think, again, we're maybe over-cautious on the bond side down the road, but right now we feel very comfortable uh, staying where we are. Right. Well, that was uh, a good deep, dive into uh, bonds and our thoughts on not making investments based on politics, obviously. <laughs> uh, but the bigger area is, you know, our thoughts on inflation and, and where we think that's going to head. So uh, thanks for joining us. And we will chat with you soon about some, no- some more headlines and things that we think may impact your portfolio. Right. Next time. All right. Thanks, Bob. See you, Jared. See you. All information in this podcast has been derived from sources believed to be accurate. However, we cannot guarantee its accuracy. Neither the information presented nor any opinions expressed constitute a representation by Jared or Bob or a solicitation of the purchase or sale of any securities. Jared and Bob are registered representatives with the Investment Center, Inc., a broker-dealer located in Bedminster, New Jersey, member FINRA SIPC. All securities offered through the Investment Center, Inc. and advisory services through IC Advisory Services, Inc.